One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Whoa, Mikey, it's a special NFL Combine edition of Red vs. Blue. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue, Friday Night Football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the World of High Stakes Fantasy Football. As always, joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mikey, uh, you got to be on cloud nine. The Wildcats just keep on winning. It looks like... They're on their way to a perfect season, as much as I hate to say it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a wild three days of NFL combine. We got a lot to get to tonight. Yeah, I will tell you what, Scott, uh, I'm kind of envious of uh, you and uh, what you've been able to uh, accomplish there uh, at the combine, and it's got to be a lot of fun. As far as the cats go, I'm not talking perfect season. I don't I don't worry about that thing uh, because March matters. So, uh, but it's got to be a lot of fun. Uh, just uh, you, you, you've got to have a lot of words, experiences, and things that uh, that that went through uh, the last couple of days uh, with the combine. Tell us about it. Well, we're going to talk about it uh, all night long, Mikey. We uh, look, it's a, it's a big part of where we got our roots, right? Where we started as a show, you and I. You know, we. We yep. started in the off season, and all of a sudden, the Dynasty crew, the Dynasty diehards, uh, started to join and listen to the show. What was that? Maybe five years, or six years ago, or something like that. It's been a while. Yeah, and, about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, look, that's that's kind of uh, where we got our start. The crew, the faithful at Red versus Blue, some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy football, join us every Friday night and or listen to the podcast. Uh, on uh, on iTunes or on their i their MP3 players, and they and they download the podcast and listen to the show later. And it, it's uh, look, it's a big part of what we do is is catering to the dynasty uh, players. We, you and I have been playing in the hyper leagues hosted by Ryan McDowell. Uh, those got our kind of start in the in the uh, the dynasty world, and now we have a full fledged dynasty football world championship that has hundreds and hundreds of teams in it. Uh, all battling for league prizes and overall grand prizes. We're going to crown our first ever Dynasty King this year, who is the person who scored the most points over a three-year period. And and the combine is kind of where you start to get your first sense of what to make of this rookie incoming class coming in, Mike. And there's a lot of talent here, unbelievable talent wow. at both yeah. the running back and wide receiver position this year. Yeah, it seems like, uh, real quick, Scott, it, it seems like the uh, running back, of course, you're never going to top the uh, wide receiver class of last year. There's no way that can be done. Well, right. maybe in other years, but this year, no. But the running back class just 
totally surprises me. Uh, did you uh, see or hear anything that just uh, makes you feel any different? That's a good question. Did I see? Yes. Yes, I did. Absolutely. There's a couple of guys that I'm higher on now than I was then. And there's a couple of guys that I've cooled on. And we're going to, we're going to get into that. Um, there is a guy that played in Indiana actually that I'm a lot higher on now after being there uh, and, and, and listening and, and to, to his responses and taking a deeper dive. Kevin Coleman, the running back from Indiana, very good player and is going to be a special back in the NFL. So we're, we're going to talk about that. There's still the top names, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. Uh, we still have to watch these guys. Um, they're, they're still the top two backs in the, in the league uh, coming in the incoming class. But there's a couple of backs that I think could challenge for that spot, Mike. And in the wide receiver yep. position, it was it was um, there's a there's a lot of talent there too. It, yes, it's tough to top the last year's class, but I got to tell you, Mike, uh, listening to these kids and, and attending my first combine with media credentials, being able to actually interview the players and being involved in all of these guys, there are this is a deep class, and I'm talking about not just not just yeah. deep meaning you know lots of them. I'm talking about deep at the top end. Good players. Uh, it would not surprise me to see a class at the wide receiver position that challenges what we saw at the top this wow. year. Maybe not. Maybe not as good. Obviously, it was a special, amazing year. Then I don't think any of us should expect it. But there's something about what they do in the NCAA level, the collegiate level now with the pro style offense that I think they're just better prepared to enter the NFL at that level now than they were maybe, you know, say five years ago. It's just, I think there's something different in the water these days. Well, do you, do you give that credit to the uh, head coaches in the uh, NCAA? I mean, yeah. uh, because they, they're grooming these guys for, uh, for the pros. And uh, so maybe is it some work that the uh, NCAA head coach, head coaches have done uh, to say, Hey, you know, you're pro ready, but here's what needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that has a lot to do with it. We even see it in the college basketball with Calipari and how he gets his players ready to go uh, in the pro level. It's it's something that we're we're watching in the NCAA. The coaching is getting more competitive. Everything is just amped up that much more, and they're getting these guys ready to go. And uh, it's not for lack of uh, talent, but they are having to work hard and get ready for the NFL. And there's a lot to learn. Uh, but with the NFL evolving to a quarterback happy, uh, you know, systems and things of that nature, this is the year, though. Back to the running backs. I think this is the year that we're seeing a resurgence yep. in the running back position. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be drafted earlier in the NFL draft. I still think because of how much depth at the running back position there is this exactly. year in the NFL draft, that NFL owners and GMs and coaches are going to be very content to sit and wait this year. But I'll just tell you this. If you look at the AFC, and just just starting with the AFC specifically, I'm gonna Mike, I want to start the show with this. This this is always an interesting exercise every single year. We look at the teams that could use a stud running back like a Melvin Gordon or a Todd Gurley. Uh, and and I and you're gonna be surprised by the time this experiment is over about how many teams could use a running back. Not only Gurley and Gordon at the top, but Kevin Coleman from Indiana, Duke Johnson from Miami, Amir Abdullah from Nebraska, J.A.J. at Boise State, T.J. Yeldon in Alabama. Uh, that's just seven of them right there. But let me, let me go ahead and give you some teams, and you tell me 
whether or not they could use a quarterback. By the way, Mike, this is the Scout Fantasy uh, Red versus Blue show. Uh, there is a flash sale going on right now to be a part of Scout. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. It's a five-hour sale that got extended, and I called up and I asked the team, can we extend it for the Red versus Blue listeners? They said yes. We'd love to have the Red versus Blue right. listeners as members of the Scout family. So what you want to do right now is you want to go to scoutfantasy.com. You want to click on the flash sale, and it will work for you right now. It's nine months for the price of one. You're going to get coverage all the way up and through November. It's going to give you all of the combine. Mike, we posted our scout team that I that I Boy. hung with over the last couple of days. Over 90 and maybe over 100 by now, uh, 90 to 100 unique articles, videos, and more are posted on just the combine alone. It was an amazing time to be with them. I'll, we'll talk about it more in the show. But there's a flash sale going on right now, nine months for the price of one, $7.95, and you get nine months of premium access. About half of our articles and content is, is what we consider premium. The rest is what we've always done in the past. And so yeah. very nice. uh, it's very a flash nice. sale. Scouting, scout everybody's I, I got go it going on. Yep, sign it's up. You, you click the one-month option, the monthly one-month option, and it will take care of you for – uh, nine months. Uh, okay, so here we go, Mike. The experiment that I want to do, it's the NF, the AFC rundown. Which of these teams need a running back? Uh, New England Patriots, there's talk of Shane Vereen, going to be a free agent. He's going to test the waters. Does New England need a running back? No. No? No, no, no. New England, they don't need a running back. I mean, even if they uh... – even if they have a solid running back, it doesn't matter. I mean, New England's a different creature right there. So, uh, you know, right. they can plug right. in you or me, and that that's your running back. Got it. They can, they can pull in Michael Dyer or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with you, but, but they will take a running back. Let's go to Buffalo. Will Buffalo, with the departure of C.J. Spiller, likely to free agency, will they need a running back? Yeah, they're going to need a running back, but – on the other hand, their offensive line is very good, and uh, so they they may try to stick with what what they've got uh, right now. But uh, I don't think they're going to be beggars for running backs. Maybe in the uh, you know third round or so. New York Jets losing Chris Johnson. What do you definitely. think about the Jets? They definitely, they need one. Okay, uh, let's definitely. move on to the fourth team in the AFC East, Miami. Oh gosh, that's hard to figure out. Uh, yeah, they're they're going to need some some type of running game, uh, you know, to kind of get their get their franchise going with Tannehill. Um, I don't know if it's at the front of the list, but I was I would say it's at their middle of the list. Yeah, I would say that the, they may need a running back. Baltimore Ravens. No. You think they're good with Forsett, an aging veteran? I mean, they lost Ray Rice. I, I, I think they could use one. No, they're good. They're good. They're okay. Good. All right, I disagree with that. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, they need Harris one. West, Isaiah Crowell. See, I disagree with that. I say they let, they go ahead and ride with those two guys. Crowell is the future, I think. I think West is good. They just got to learn to hang on to the ball like Tichy Barber did. Well, Cincinnati Bengals, I, we, I think we both agree they're good, right? Nah. Pittsburgh, Levy yeah, Arnold, they're good. They're good. All yeah, right. they're good. Uh, Tennessee Titans. Bishop Sankey, is he, uh, he going to carry the load? 
You know what? He disappointed me a lot last year, Scott. Yeah. And uh, yeah. but I still think he can. Uh, I still think he can carry the load. I still think he can get it done in the right scheme in the right uh, uh, situation. I I still believe in Bishop Sankey, so uh, I'd say no. I uh, I think they could. Um, I definitely think that uh, Tennessee could use a back, uh, Bishop Sankey. Well, you can't go into the season thinking that he counting on him to produce for you. Um, okay, um, Jacksonville. Uh, well, they they need a lot of things, but uh, you know they put together quite a quite a few things. But uh, as far as a running back, uh, yeah, they're gonna have to go for one. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Indianapolis. Uh, no, because they will get. Uh, I, I think they need one. I, I don't think I don't think you go to war thinking Boom Heron is is going to you know hold you no. down unless you think Big Ballard's going to come back you know two years in a row now he's been lost for the season. No, they, they've got a running back coming their way and man, I can't believe I forgot his name. Uh, but they, they they've got a running back coming their way, no problem. All right, okay, and Houston Texans. You don't you don't think that? See, I think they do. You know, you, you can't count on Arian really? Foster forever. I mean, I guess, you know, you don't go to war with Alfred Blue as your starter, but maybe you do. Uh, moving on, Kansas City Chiefs, Jamal Charles and Al Davis, they're good. Oakland yep. Raiders, Latavius Murray should be the guy there. I don't think you really need to go for a running back, right? Yeah, it, it looks pretty good. Uh, you know, if they if they give this kid the chance uh, to just carry the ball, uh, you know, 23, 25 times uh, a game, he'll be fine. All right, Denver. Denver definitely uh, doesn't need one with uh, nope. with C.J. Anderson uh, emergency. C.J. looks great, man. And then the San Diego Chargers. I mean, we've been waiting for Ryan Matthews, and you get Oliver. They need they need one. Yeah, so, the, the, they need one, and this would set up uh, for uh, Jay Ajay. Uh, you know, I mean, this would be a mm-hmm. perfect spot for him. So you're somewhere in the eight to nine teams need a, a running back. I'm somewhere in the eleven to twelve teams need a running back. That's a lot of. Usually we don't feel that way, but I'll bet you right. this year that there's going to be good homes for those running backs. And this is just the AFC side of things. So we, I don't, I don't have all the show to go to the NFC, but you get my drift. There is a market and a need for running backs. So this is the year that there could be we could see a resurgence of running backs drafted into good situations well, uh, for for the season. Well, the reason uh, that we're talking about this, Scott, is uh, the the running back class in this year's draft is very deep. It's very deep. I mean, we're not talking about one or two running backs that are very good, and then it, then it drops off. No, there's a lot of running backs that are extremely deep. That you know they're going to make an impact. They will have an impact, and I think the NFL, uh, you know, it's like I talked about uh, about six months ago. It's changed a little bit. They have to have a running back if you want to win a Super Bowl. If you want to win the NFL championship, you pretty much have to have a running back to do it. Now, don't get me wrong. New England Patriots, they're they're a little bit different, but. Uh, for the most part, if you want to be successful, you have to have that stud running back. And uh, 
I fully expect uh, a lot of teams to go after that running back to get it done. So uh, there's there's going to be a lot of running backs taken off the board. And I'm not saying that in the first round, but uh, maybe toward the uh, latter part of the first round, second round, third round, they're going to start clicking. So just to let everybody know at home, it was an exciting uh, combine experience for me personally to be there with the media credentials. It's not, uh, you know, you're, you're sitting there with the ESPNs and the NFL networks and all of the NFL teams had their representatives there. So one day I'm sitting with the Saints representatives and another day I'm sitting with the Ravens representatives. Just every single day was a little different. And right. every time you turned around, you'd, look, you'd, you'd, you'd walk in, you're, you're walking over to get a drink or something, and then you'd run into Tom Coughlin or you'd run into Rex uh, Rex Ryan, or you know, just every single time you turned around, you were you were getting a call for to interview a player, to uh, you know, to uh, talk to a GM, to to talk to an NFL head coach. It was an amazing experience and very cool that uh, that Scout had our credentials at Fantasy there uh, to represent Fantasy, and, and that just lets you know that so, Fantasy came a long way. I was looking around and look, I know the industry fairly well and. I only saw a couple people that I know in the industry there at the NFL uh, Combine. There was um, Cecil Lammy was there today. I saw Cecil, but he he, he works for ESPN in, in Denver. Uh, I saw Cecil there. He did a lot of good work with football guys in years past. I saw Paul Charkin, the president of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association, who was there. He has some kind of a, a Minneapolis radio station of some sort that he's there, and he does a lot of work around the country on that radio channel. He was there outside on Radio Row. And then I saw John Hansen, the fantasy guru, was there for Sirius. He was out there. But other than that, I didn't see anybody actually, you know, asking questions that I knew is the fantasy world. So most of the questions were from beat writers or newspaper or from, uh, you know, some, somebody that, was, uh, that had a different agenda than, like, what I would have for fantasy. And, and I was in there. I wanted to get the fantasy type of question out of the way, you know, while they're just sitting there boring me right. to death with questions that were just absolutely ridiculous and of no merit, I want to sit there and say, talk about Corderell Patterson, what happened to him, and why didn't he perform for you this year? I wanted to – why – I'm sitting there asking Andy Reid. You had zero touchdowns from the wide receiver position for the entire year. Does that alarm you about Alex Smith? Does it alarm you about the wide receivers? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to address that through the draft? Do you feel you need to address it? You know, I wanted to get to the bottom of real issues that fantasy players have and that we noticed. You know, those are things that we saw, and it was cool to be a part of that. Yeah, well, and I, I bet it was, Scott. And, uh, you know, are you still going back tomorrow? Well, so tomorrow is all about uh, the workouts. It's all about the the 40 times. Right. It's all about the bench. The only thing, the only player interviews that are going to happen tomorrow are the defensive secondary for the most part, the cornerback. And I got to ask myself, you know, I'm not really an IDP guy, and I don't think that I would have much value in the interview process for a defensive back. And, and unless I was really involved in IDP, which I'm not, I don't think I would be uh, well served to ask those questions. So I think I'm going to bow out, watch the coverage from home, and then still put out the information that we're learning about the 40 times and things like that. And for the most part, and, and listen, I listen to the coaches too, and most of them have this to say. The workouts, the 40 times and all, it's great, but we, it adds to what we already know and learn about a player. What's more important right. at the combine 
is the face-to-face sit-down interviews. That's what right. they're more interested in. They could care, for the most part, 90% of the coaches were said they could care less about the 40 times or about the workout. Could be. They really couldn't. That's, they really yeah. talked about the interview. What does this player know? What doesn't he know? When we ask them questions, how intelligent are they? And how mature are they? And can they handle the interview process? And that tells them everything they need to know about whether or not what right. they saw on the field is going to translate at the next level. Right, exactly. And and that makes sense, Scott. You know, if you can uh, if you can communicate with me well on an eye-to-eye level, and, and I know what you can do physically. I know what you can do. You know, I know you can throw this ball this far. I know you can run this far. But bottom line is, can you communicate with me? If we can do this, then we've got a relationship going. And, uh, yep. you know, it, it's – it's it's got to be fun. I mean, uh, but the one thing that I was kind of curious about uh, was uh, Jameis Winston. He's yeah. he's supposed to uh, be throwing, but uh, bottom line, it, it looks like uh, it looks like Tampa Bay is going to take him number one overall anyway. Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, look, he drew by far the biggest crowd of any single player. At the Combine, James Winston drew the biggest crowd of media attention. Uh, and before that, I, I, I had to say, well, other than Mariota, Doriel Green Beckham drew quite a crowd. Oh, uh, I'm that hearing was, big stuff Yeah, yeah, that was, that was quite yeah. interesting to see that, that he brought that kind of a media attention to him because he represents tons of upside with a lot of risk. I mean, does the risk outweigh the reward there for him? He could be the number one receiver in this class because of his sheer, you know, his size and his ability. He was the receiver that most people were talking about heading into last year. Uh, and, and then, obviously, he had the problems at Missouri and then ended up with, uh, you know, the Oklahoma team. Uh, but look, right, but he's, uh, like, he, he's like 6'5". He's like 6'5 and something. I mean, uh, Beck, uh, Beckham, I mean, he is he's, – he's strong and huge and uh, tall. I mean – can't beat that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, day one, Mike. It was an interesting start to the to the, the to the to the week. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers GM Kevin Colbert got up. wasn't much to say at all. The Buccaneers then there was a buzz in the room because Lovey Smith was about to come out, the Bucks head coach. And mm-hmm. it was interesting to talk to think about to hear him talking about the quarterback position. He said you have to look at all the positions, all options are on the table. But he did talk about Jameis Winston you know, talked about the allegations. But, look, we know what's going on here. They brought in an offensive coordinator that had went on the record saying that they were he was more impressed with Jameis Winston than he was with Marcus Mariota. So they went in this direction. I really think at the end of the day, when the NFL draft happens, that it will be Jameis Winston, the number one back taken. And then the question is, what will Tennessee do? Will Tennessee hang on to that yeah. pick? Will they trade out of that pick? because Zach Mettenberger doesn't look like he's the answer in Tennessee, but maybe Tennessee feels like they need more than just a quarterback this year, and maybe they don't believe that Marcus Mariota is their guy, and so maybe they do trade down, get more depth, uh, maybe two first-rounders, maybe a first-rounder this year, a first-rounder next year, and then maybe Philadelphia even trades up or something, and somebody else gets Mariota. Yeah, you have to uh, – the firm belief in that's your guy. 
Mariota, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the guy seems like a very intelligent guy. Um, but, you know, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't handled a, uh, anything under center yet. And, I, you know, I'm just not so sure of Mariota. And I said this on Red versus Blue uh, three, four, five weeks ago. Uh, I'm not convinced with him. Um, but uh, there's going to be a team that will be convinced because he's got speed and he's got arm strength that is unbelievable. But bottom line is I, I just don't I, I don't believe in his ability. I, I like Hundley better than Mariana. Uh, remember, the flash sale was extended for red versus blue listeners. Get nine months for the price of one. Uh, unbelievable. Sign up. I put the link in the chat room for you guys. Make sure you sign up before the end of the show. Uh, Denver Broncos, all of a sudden, uh, Gary Kubiak comes out. He's excited to work with Peyton. They did ask him a funny joke. Is Joe Flacco elite? He's like, you bet he is. Um, we have the, uh, the Denver Broncos in our latest mock draft uh, taking offensive lineman Cam Irving uh, with that 28th pick. I, we do feel like Demarius Thomas, it's either franchise tag for him or free agency. And, he's, and, look, you have to give these guys the money. You would think that they're going to put, slap the franchise tag on Demarius. If they don't, this man is going to go somewhere else wow. and get wow. his money. Um, and there's a lot more to this, Mike, because – Julius Thomas, the tight end, has also said he's going to test free agency. The appeal of playing with Peyton Manning isn't what it was just a year ago, and you've got to think that these receivers and tight ends know that we've only got one more year with this guy, and then it's Osweiler, and we don't know what we have with Osweiler yet. Yeah, you know, everything's changed in Denver uh, here in the last uh, shoot, three months. I mean, Everything has changed. Uh, you got to you got to keep Demarius Julius. Not so sure. You got to keep Demarius, but uh, they they have a base in line right now with uh, C.J. Anderson. I really believe I really believe in that kid as far as a running back. But uh, okay. they they've got to get the. I mean, they got to get cohesiveness. There's no cohesiveness whatsoever. Gary Kubiak, hey. I wish him luck, but uh, there's just a bunch of different places in line. And let's face it, the head coach is uh, Peyton Manning. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. I I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it's a mess. It was interesting. Once I got the chance, all of a sudden I turn around and I see John Elway standing right there. And I'm like, oh, wow, he's getting up to the podium. Very cool to see John Elway and get to, you know, listen to him talk about the Denver Broncos. And he definitely, obviously, they want Peyton back. Six weeks after the season, he talked to Peyton. They weren't able to talk about football stuff, but he said he felt much better. He believes he will be back. On C.J. Anderson, he said that he's had a tremendous year. Obviously, he's a perfect fit for us. Thrilled to have him. When he talked about Monty Ball, he was like, you know, he's a very good running back. He can do good things for us. He's still a north-south runner. Uh, but, look, we, we know that C.J. Anderson was able to – he looked much, much better than, than Monty Ball. And then the most interesting thing that I got out of John Elway was on second-year wide receiver Cody Latimer. This is what leads me to believe mm. that if something happens to Demarius, they're, they're going to be moving forward. And so 
Elway had some interesting things. He said Cody worked his tail off. We have high expectations for him. He can catch. He gets open. He does a great job with run after the catch. Obviously, he didn't have the production, but he'll get a lot more opportunities this year. And that came right from Elway. And so, look, we, we, we know that Peyton's falling in the drafts. His, his passes just don't have the zip. I mean, he's, he's going to be great for Draftmaster format, but – uh, for, for somebody like Monty Ball, I mean, he, he's a, he's a draft master only running back. But as far as Cody Latimer, we feel like this is a sleeping giant. I talked to the scout fantasy team. We kind of got together on this. And we've got to watch the Demarius Thomas free agency thing play out, right, Mike? I mean, that has to – you've got to give it some time. But if Demarius yeah. isn't slapped with that franchise tag, it's going to be yeah. too late for you to get Cody Latimer because everybody's going to be on it then. So – it would, be, it would be a huge surge for Latimer uh, if he doesn't get that franchise tag. And so with Julius Thomas exiting, Latimer's going to get more work. And we think that Latimer is a buy low right now. I would, be, I would be throwing some offers out there, getting communication going with the Latimer owners in your league. Yeah, I would say that uh, there's all communication going with those uh, – but first off, it starts from the top, and uh, the top is going with, uh, you know, Elway and uh, and Peyton. You know, they're, they're saying, okay, who do we want? Who we need? I mean, don't don't think that these conversations aren't going on around the clock. Okay, who do we want? Who we need? And uh, so they're figuring out who they want to tag because there's going to be somebody tagged there, and. Uh, you know, they're going to figure out who – it's got to be Demarius. Demarius is the guy there. Uh, Julius, he'll go on to another team. Uh, get paddled in the chat room. Any word on Cobb? And, yes, I did talk to Bill Huber, who is a credentialed reporter inside the locker room with Green Bay, and he told me that it's all about the Benjamins with Cobb. It does not matter whether or not he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, whether or not he can get a Super Bowl. If the Packers can figure out how to get Cobb his money, he'll stay. That's it. That's all it comes down to, if they can work it out. And he did not look. Just from the look on his face, he doesn't, it doesn't look good. He looks disappointed every time I bring up Cobb because he knows how important Cobb is to the team. I said, well, what about Devontae Adams? He shook his head at me. He's like, Adams can't do anything like what Cobb can do. He's not that type of receiver. And he was not thrilled with Adams' uh, at all, really, to be honest with you. We can talk about that some other time. But he was just really devastated that if they lose Cobb, and there are some places that Cobb could be very, very dangerous, you know. And, and, and I started to think on the drive home, if they lost Cobb, what would they do? Mike, I think the Packers could be setting up for something like a Percy Harvin to come in, you know, on the cheap, really cheap. Let Cobb go in free agency, bring in a Percy Harvin who can – if you think about it, can do a lot of the things that Cobb does. He's that he can yeah. be that inside slot receiving kind of a weapon, and you can get him on the cheap this year because Harvin's just not going to demand the top dollar like a Randall Cobb. So it'll be very interesting to see what what they do with that. Then I moved on to Jay Ajayi, Mike, uh, the Boise State running back. Yeah. And this is the kid that um, we're very excited about. This kid's upside at the next level. Uh, Should be. After Melvin Gordon, you could make a case that due to the Gurley injury risk, remember Gurley was the number one unanimous selected back and was getting all the Adrian Peterson comparisons until the ACL injury. And, look, that's, that was a very bad injury. It wasn't his first injury. 
now you're starting to think there's some risk here with Gurley. And what kind of a risk do you have with J.J.? If he could be a, he's a contender for the draft number two back. Scout has him listed at number six. But in regards to your fantasy draft, I wouldn't fault you at all for taking him as the third running back after Gurley and Gordon. I would say it's kind of risky to to not take Gurley. Uh, but go ahead. At third, I, could, I would not fault you one bit for taking Jay, Ajay from Boise, from Boise State. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the, the thing that bothers me about Gurley is exactly what you said, injuries. Uh, yeah. That's risky. That's a, that's a risky thing. Uh, Jay Ajay. Man, I love his ability. Uh, he's got a decent frame, six foot, two twenty one. He's built kind of stocky, and uh, you know, I, I put him and uh, Duke Johnson in pretty much the same category. I mean, they're uh, they're built small and stocky, but they have the capabilities to uh, learn a system, and that's what matters to the NFL. So, uh, well, you know, I, I really believe it. Jay Ajayi compared himself, when, when we asked to whom you compare yourself, Forte, Murray, Foster, Lynch, he said, look, those are the best backs in the league. The reason why I'm saying that is because they all have styles like mine. I'm a complete back. Yeah. He prides himself on being on the field all three downs. And he loves, uh, he said the, the scouts tell him they're t- it's his tenacity is what impresses them the most. Like Lynch, he fights for those yards after the catch. And the scouts are the one that tells Beautiful. him that he's a three-down back. He catches the ball, he runs the ball, and he picks up blitzes. He's a complete back. He did say that he needs to work on his pass protection, but that's a canned answer. Every running back said, right. I need to work on my pass protection. I mean, that's what, that's what you have to do. Uh, but he is a three-down back, a legit three-down back. He did have a, a situation in his freshman year. He was arrested for stealing some sweatpants. It was a really stupid, youthful mistake. He admits it, well, and he really is humbled by it. He appreciates the opportunity. You could tell in his voice it wasn't scripted. It was real genuine, and he's been blessed with it uh, from learning from it, and he is really on the right track. I like this kid a lot. His stock went way up in my book after I spent that 15 minutes with him. Well, that's that's cool. That, that That's good to hear, Scott. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you were able to spend that time, and uh, that's what it's all about. That's, that's what the combine's all about. Uh, some of these kids, they, they uh, you know, they just want the opportunity. And uh, the one thing about it is they, <laughs> Jay, Jay and Jai, I mean, the, when they're in college, they don't have much of an opportunity to block these linemen or linebackers. You know, they're running the ball. That's what the, that's what they do. They run the ball, and that's what they do. That's their responsibility. Uh, so now they're going to – be elevated to a different level, and this is going to be a big opportunity. And uh, you know, the combine is going to maybe show a little bit of chance of what they can do and the possibilities. Yeah. Now, look, um, you don't need me to tell sell you on Melvin Gordon. You don't need need to, need no. to sell you on nope. Todd Gurley. Uh, those are the top running backs in the class. Uh, but there was a player there that we were very excited to get to talk to, and that was. Tevin Coleman from Indiana. Oh, very, Indiana. Very nice, yeah. very nice running back. Uh, very interesting to be able to get to sit down uh, with Tevin Coleman and and really see what what this kid is all about. Uh, as a as a player, 
you don't think that a player is going to do what he did on such a bad team, right? Uh, right. It's 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 really hard to 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 see that you could play on a team as bad as Indiana and not and be able to put up that many yards, two thousand yards for Tevin Cole. That's that's not easy, right? He's the number three running right. back on Scouts Big Board. And he played. He gutted Big Ten defenses with a broken toe and a detached tendon in his foot. It occurred in the fifth game of the season. And we knew that or whatever, but hearing him talk about how painful this injury was, yet he went on to top 200 yards against Iowa one week later, surpassed the 300-yard mark at Rutgers in November. He underwent surgery in November or in December after the season, and he's been told by his doctors to avoid doing anything other than the bench press. But this guy, I came away from talking to him. He's a monster, okay? Uh, to play through that, uh, fantasy players, we need our running backs to be tough when they step up to this level. And this kid is as tough as he comes, Mike. Six foot one, 210 pounds, has a side and speed to excel in the league. And I think he's going to be a really nice addition for somebody when they call up his name. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott. Uh, you know, Kevin Coleman, I mean, he's going to be uh... – He's going to be solid. The one thing is about the injury. Got to worry about that injury. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, he looks solid. I mean, this running back class goes deep. I mean, it really goes deep. And keep on rolling with them. Yeah, yeah. So 18th player in football history to run for at least 2,000 yards. Uh, And and look, and, and on a losing team like Indiana, Really, yeah, under-the-radar guy is right, get paddled. Kevin Coleman, you're yeah. going to like him uh, a lot. There, there were other backs, like we talked about, Duke Johnson. If you haven't seen him, I drafted him in my developmental league uh, last year. Waiting for Duke, and I watched him just about every single chance I could. He His game is modeled sort of like a LaShawn McCoy's type of game, and he averaged 6.8 yards uh, per carry with the 242 carries he handed out for the Hurricanes. Very good player. Here's what scouts Dave to Thomas said about Johnson. He's our number four running back in the class. He says this, he might lack the ideal size a team might look for in a featured back, but looks are deceiving as he has a compact muscular frame with good chest thickness, tight waist, and hips. He has the quick feet and short area acceleration to hit the holes in an instant. The thing that keeps defenders honest is his outstanding lateral quickness as he is masterful in ducking in and out of traffic when working in line. Okay? Like this, is a kid that, this is a kid that um, reminds a lot of people uh, of a LaShawn McCoy, the type of player, the way he runs. Now, LaShawn McCoy is a very special back, and when you watch him, you are looking at a masterful running back. But when you watch Duke Johnson, he rips apart defense defenses in, in, in the NCAA. Let's see what he can well, do at the next level before we get too carried away. But he can catch the ball, Mike. We like the dual threat running back. He can catch the ball as well. Yeah, and that's what separates him from uh, another player that I want to – I hate to make comparisons, but uh, Emmett Smith. He loves okay. to he, – he runs like Emmett. I mean, he just does that way. He just ducks down because he's so small. But he has that way of uh, gaining five, six, twelve yards at a time, and that's that's the way Emmett Smith did at uh, 
University of Florida, and uh, Duke Johnson from Miami of Florida. Uh, I can see the same thing, but uh, I'm glad to hear that he has uh, great uh, receiving skills because that will help. Yeah, and somebody in the chat room asked, "Does Coleman is Coleman not a pass catcher? Yes, he is a pass catcher. He's a complete back. He does it all. If you remember, Indiana was down a lot, and so they had a lot of dump passes for uh, Tevin Coleman. Another running back that you need to know, my next-door neighbor is a huge Nebraska fan, and all season long he was talking about the emergence of Nebraska running back Amir Abdullah. He's our fifth-ranked running back in this year's loaded class, Amir Abdullah. And I'm going to give you a name, Mike. Now, Abdullah is only 5'9", okay? Right. But in, in his, his back that he uh, looks up to is Ward Dunn. No surprise, right? Ward Dunn was a fantastic shorter back. But our scout, yep. Dave to Thomas, he compared him. He has scouts. He said that scouts are likening him and his, the way he plays to job at best without the concussions. Okay, Abdullah has the field vision and open field cutting ability to simply fly past the second-level defenders. Lateral agility, you keep hearing those words, lateral quickness. It's, it's what gives him those cutback lanes, and he locates it, and he can take the ball up the crease, and he's gone. He's gone. So it's another player that once Gordon and Gurley are off the board, we're going to have to make up our mind here. There's a lot of these backs that I yeah. like, and we've got to figure this out together. We have Gurley. And Gordon, as the unanimous top two, and if you don't take one of those guys there, you're really, you're really kind of test, tempting fate here. But then it's Jay Ajay, Kevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, Amir Abdullah. Mike, th- this is, is going to be a difficult unwinding act for us. And then you've got TJ Yeldon, who we still haven't talked yeah, about. That, that, Kevin Coleman, Duke right. Johnson, Amir Abdullah, and Jay Ajay. That's four running backs that any one of those yeah. four could be the number three top three back in this year's class. Yeah. You, you got to figure out uh, where TJ, uh, TJ Yeldon goes, uh, Mike Davis, uh, David Cobb, David Johnson, Jeremy Langford. Don't forget about him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these guys are, I mean, they're, they're serious backs. That's why this Great. is such a great running back deep uh, field. And uh, got to figure out uh, who drafts who and where they go. And, uh, figure out what's the best situation for each one of them. You know, and we always try not to get hung up on situations. I've been trying to tell you that for a long time, Mike, as far as my personal style of dynasty drafting and dynasty play goes. Don't get hung up on the situation because for so many years, you see a J.J. Arrington fall to Arizona. Arizona needs a running back. Arrington's stock goes through the roof. Arrington sucked. It, It didn't change. The situation didn't make him a better player. Same thing happened with Green Bay a few years ago, uh, you know, when we were playing Dynasty. Green Bay landed a running back, and they needed yeah, one. That's right. it, he sucked. Uh, it, it, you can't get too carried away with situation. Fall in love with the player. Wherever he goes, he'll eventually get his shot. Now, I know it's tough. Kristen Michael, you land again behind Marshawn Lynch. It definitely knocks you down a little bit when you fall behind and you're behind a Hall of Famer. But wait. When they get their chance, oh, man, that's what it's about is you, you have that patience with your player. You get ready chance, for it. And then they reward you. But I tell you, when anybody gets a comparison to job at best, I take a look. And I've been, and I've been watching this Amir Abdullah ever since my neighbor said, this kid is the real deal. And I really like what I saw from Amir Abdullah. And, and can he be a job at best type player? 
where he's not getting all the carries, but 10 to 15 carries and he's taking one to the house in every game, you're, you're feeling pretty good about that, especially with an explosive play. Yeah. And in PPR leagues, that's even more uh, important is, is being able to catch those balls. So, um, Absolutely. Mike, and, uh, you know, you, a little bit of size, uh, that helps a little bit as well at running back. Uh, but, uh, you know, these guys, I mean, when I go – Go through the list. I mean, I'm just impressed with every one I see uh, from Langford, even on down to uh, Terrence McGee. I mean, <laughs> this these guys are something else. Yep, it is a uh, it's a it's a good year for running backs. Very excited about that. I did get a chance to uh, remember. Look, we we think that uh, for the most part, there are some really good wide receivers in this class as well. We talk about Amari Cooper. We'll talk about him. Uh, Louisville wide receiver Devonte Parker. You guys know I'm a Louisville fan, uh, but I but I've watched this kid every single game. Mike, you've watched this kid. We he, know what he does great. well, and he does as well. He's physical. He can high point the ball and catch it at the peak, and he can break tackles. And man, isn't that what you want out of a six foot three wide receiver? He could be the best wideout. Most scouts are calling him the second or third best wideout. But you're, you're splitting hairs here. I mean, Odell Beckham, they were calling him the second or third or fourth best wideout, right? And, and would you have any yeah. Would you have any fault with taking Odell Beckham now as a unanimous number one wide receiver? No, you wouldn't. So any of these guys up here, Amari Cooper, Kevin White, uh, Devontae Parker, any of these guys could be the top wide receiver. And it's going to be hard for us to figure this out. I'm not ready to give you a draft order for my rookie draft. I'll just tell you that right now. After this week, I'm not ready. I have to digest all this because really? I fell in love with a lot of these players just on watching, just on looking at the film, listening to the scouts, seeing what they bring to the table, looking at back at what they, their body of work, and then you sit back and you say, wow, these guys are really special players. You've got four wide receivers, Cooper, Parker, White, and then the aforementioned Doriel Green Beckham. We have any of those four could be the best wide receiver in this class. And it wouldn't surprise me uh, if any of those four or all of those four had very special years right out of the gate. I mean, everybody can't be a Calvin Johnson uh, long-term. And Calvin didn't even have that great of a rookie year. Uh, But it wouldn't surprise me if teams that drafted them really need them and they do produce right out of the gate. You know, Scott, it it doesn't surprise me either. Uh, The one thing about it is, uh, you know, I look at the size and – there's an overwhelming six-five uh, uh, with uh, uh, Green yeah. Beckham, but yeah. other than that, yeah. uh, you know, you, you've got uh, Amari Cooper, uh, White, Parker. I mean, if Parker puts on size, I, I mean, wait, like I've talked about in previous shows, if uh-huh. if Devontae Parker puts on weight, he can push off. He can do what he needs to do at the line of scrimmage, downfield. He's the one that that impresses me the most. Uh, you would not be alone in that in that sentiment. You would not be alone in that sentiment. It is um, it is definitely uh, a player that brings a lot of reward with him and and still yes. a lot of risk. You have to you have to appreciate that risk, especially in today's NFL climate when we have Justin Blackman's uh, of the world. He was a very special guy. He had Des Bryant-type upside, and he still does, by the way. You know, it was interesting to hear uh, the Jags GM 
uh, Maxwell talked about him, and they, he said that, look, if, if he can get himself cleared by the league, there's a place for him in this league. Caldwell, not Maxwell. By the way, the Jags GM, David Caldwell, that guy has got to be the youngest GM in the league. I haven't I haven't looked at it, but kid is really? young. I was, I was like, I was amazed, and I'm sitting here listening. I'm like, this is a GM in the in the National football, the football League? Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, never know. Yeah, here's what he said. He said he's doing the right things, engaging in the program. We'll welcome him back. On the running backs, David Caldwell said this, because, you know, we've been thinking about Denard Robinson being the guy, right? He said, we said, talk about the running back position. He jumps off with Toby. Toby Gerhardt, he should fill a similar role, blah, blah, blah. He does a lot of good things for us. He said, Denard, well, look, if he can handle it, you know, we'll expand his role. He, there was a lot of doubt in his voice that Denard can handle it. So I'm going to I'm gonna have to rethink my, my dynasty rankings after all of this. I'm going to digest all of this. But it wasn't a ringing endorsement for Robinson. And it just reminds me that this thing is likely a timeshare situation again in 2015. And it would not surprise me to see them address. Maybe the back of the future is not on that team. They still have a lot of needs, and he came out and said that. We're, we're, we're not in any way, shape, or form able to draft on need. We are truly taking the best right. player available and building our team at that level. They have the third pick overall, Mike. We're projecting them to take that monster defensive end, Leonard Williams. We, we think that's what will happen. And, and they did take a heavy-handed approach to the offense last year in the draft, taking Bortles right. and Lee and Robinson. Shorts is a likely goner. But they'll just you just gotta let the Jaguars, you know, continue to build the team. They've got a lot of work to do. But I think I have cooled my jets a little bit on Denard Robinson. Just just hearing the GM talk. I like what I saw, but if the GM's coming away saying he's not sure if he can handle it, I think I gotta listen to that a little bit. Yeah. And that's that's what you have to do. I mean, you got the inside uh inside scoop on what's going on with that Scott and, and you know, that's awesome. Uh so you just you just have to go with your instinct and uh, get the feel of uh, the player and things like that. I mean, you know, you you're as good as anybody else is. Feel the player, feel what's going on, feel their what what they're talking about, and uh, you know that can uh, that that measure values right there. They are they're trying to break down their rookie draft orders right now. I'm seeing Gurley, Gordon, Cooper, White. And that, that looks like about what I have been thinking for a long time, Gurley on top. But I'll, I'll tell you, after my Gordon, after listening to Gordon, we have all the videos posted. You can listen to every single word that Melvin Gordon had to say. He's an inspiring kid. Go to Scout Fantasy. Go to the Combine section, the NFL. Click the NFL, then click the Combine. You'll find all of the player interviews. It's pretty impressive listening to that kid. That kid is a special, special back on the field, and you can tell he's a special kid off the field. I am having a hard time. And I thought that Gurley was head and shoulders above all the other running backs in this class. No. After what I saw from Gordon this year and what I saw from him in the combine, it's got me rethinking it. I'll just tell you right now, it's got me rethinking. He is not the special speed and breakaway speed that obviously Gurley and a lot of running backs have but he's got the full he's the full package do not get it twisted he's got, he has the full package he might have a top end speed but do you really do you have to have that to be a to be a hero in the in, as a fantasy player no you don't he's got he's got a nose for the end zone first off yeah. uh which means a lot 
and uh, he can catch the ball in the backfield, which means a lot. Uh, he can run different routes uh, out of the backfield, which means a lot. And, uh, no, that Melvin Gordon, he, he's, he's something special. Uh, another player I, I just want to throw out real quick is uh, Philip Dorsett. I'm really, really high on this kid uh, out of Miami, Florida. He's 5'10", and, you know, you got some guys like Crowder and uh, Aguilar and uh, Devin Smith that are right ahead of him, so to speak. But uh, I wonder, Philip Dorsett just, he has amazing speed. And I'm just kind of curious as to uh, any thoughts you have on him, Scott. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, I'll leave that to the deep scout. Uh if you go to Scout Fantasy and you click on the, the rankings of Philip Dorsett, you will see that uh, he is he is included in the deep draft analysis. He, he's become a, a more complete wide receiver. And Dave DeThomas has uh, information on him. He's, he's more qualified to talk about oh. Philip Dorsett, 5'10", 185. He has a verified 40 time of 4-2-1. So <laughs> it doesn't get any faster than that. Uh, but we do have him ranked as the 14th best wide receiver in the class. Uh, Mike, uh, just a few observational thoughts, nothing to get too dynasty and deep with you. I just want to share with you a few thoughts about the combine. I have more respect for John Harbaugh than I've ever had before at any time in my life. The guy has the best personality of anybody at the combine the entire time I was there. Okay? I'll just tell you that right now. John Harbaugh, I can see why he's a champion. I can see why he's a winner. I can see why the Ravens handpicked him. Uh, great, great guy and a great coach. I, I could see why they are doing such good things there. Uh, it was a very interesting interview uh, for John Harbaugh just to see his personality come out. Uh, Jeff Fisher, very uh, gracious oh. and a great and a great interview up at the podium. Even he was enjoying himself. He enjoyed the media. He enjoyed. He he. They they said you know usually they'll say two more questions. You know basically kind of a countdown like he's going to be here and he's like hey. I'm I'm good up here. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. You know, he was he was happy. He, he hadn't been to, he hadn't done this in a while, and he was happy to be up there. I will tell you this though, with 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 Jeff Fisher, he did not. It, I don't I don't know what to make of this. I'll just tell you what I observed. We were grilling him about Bradford, and he's like, "Look, Bradford, I, we've already told you guys this. Bradford is Plan A." And they're like, "Okay, well, tell us about Plan B." And he's like, "I don't know that we have a Plan B. We have backups on the roster." Uh, we're going to look at everybody here, and and somebody said, well, don't you think that's a that's a little unwise given Bradford's injury history that you don't have a plan B formulated yet? And he was he kind of waffled at that question, you know. He's like, I think it's very important. I right. really do. I think it's very important uh, to have a plan at the quarterback position. He didn't admit that he doesn't have that. That it's not a good plan. That he that he doesn't have one. He didn't. He didn't come out in a minute, but he kind of looked bad in that regard. And then somebody said, well, maybe he was holding it close to the vest. Maybe he does have a plan. He doesn't want to reveal his cards uh, that he's looking at a quarterback in this draft, perhaps. You know, maybe something like that. But, look, what do you think? Bradford, do you think they're really putting their future in Bradford's hands? Hmm. He's the number one pick. I mean, he was the number one pick for a reason. I guess you could always come back and say, we're not yeah. ready to give up on Sam Bradford. We know he's had a terrible bad luck with injuries. He did say this. He's like, hey, I've been here uh, with Bradford, and Bradford is 5-2-1 and one since he's been here with me. He's 5-2-1. and one. 
<laughs> and so we're counting on him. Right. Uh, so right. They are going to select very likely. We have the Rams selecting offensive lineman Brandon Scherf with the 10th pick overall. And, and that I think that makes a lot of sense. You keep Sam Bradford upright. It's of the utmost importance for this team. who They made significant strides on the defensive side of the ball, and they're in a very tough division. It would not surprise me if Bradford yeah. stood upright that they're challenging Arizona and Seattle for that division, especially if Lynch goes elsewhere or if Lynch decides well, to hang it up, I mean. Uh, that will, division becomes wide open. Yeah, you make you make a good point. I mean, they got to keep the quarterback straight up. I mean, just give him some time, give him some situations, and uh, he's going to make things happen. It was uh, it was a good time. So that so that was a couple things. Rex Ryan comes up and he starts off with jokes. He's got lots of them. He's throwing zingers left, <laughs> zingers right. He that's what he is. The media loves him. They they flocked for him. There were other coaches that weren't big at all. Uh, Pagano tried some kind of analogy about, you know, when they asked him about all the pro- troublemakers going on in Indianapolis right now, he's like, look, I had, I had three daughters. Two of them brought home straight A's. One of them brought home the occasional C. Um, it was hard to get them all on the same page. Eventually they all came around. He said, now you extrapolate that out to 90 guys. Cause they were like, what do you have to do differently? He's like, I don't know. He's like, you got 90 grown men here. And he was just kind of deflecting. Uh, but they do have some serious issues. And, and may, I don't know if it's something about his style, but it, it's uh, it's a little too hot to handle here for Pagano when you have that much. They're calling them the Bengals, the Bengals of the AFC yeah. South. AFC South, wow. Oh, man, it was a great time. Look, we were able to barely scrape the surface here uh, with all of this information uh, that that I had. We're definitely going to have to have another show uh, soon, maybe next Friday night, we'll do the part two of this combine and all the other stuff that we've learned with all the dynasty rankings that coming out. Let's focus on some rookie rankings. Let's try to get a base set together, Mike, me and you next week. Let's kind of okay. have our first round figured out where we would go right now before we know where they're at and where they're going to land just on talent alone. Can we do that? Yeah, that sounds good, Scott. And, uh, you know, I just I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the combine. I mean, that that's a that's a special event to be able to uh, be a part of, and I'm sure you and uh, the scout the scout team will continue to uh, do it moving forward. All right, guys, we appreciate it. Uh, again. Flash sale extended for tonight. Go to Scout Fantasy. You'll get nine months for the price of one. I don't know if we'll ever see another offer like this, but uh, for seven ninety five, look, you're getting access to. Everything we do, you'll get access to Sean Child, all of his high-stakes baseball information. If you play baseball, you'll get all of our combine information, all of our premium information from Tommy G and Daily Fantasy. Put his lineup in for one night, and you paid for it for basically 10 years. So thanks, guys. We appreciate you. All the crew at Red vs. Blue, we love you. Mike, we love you, man. We'll see you guys next week. I am love you, man. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.